morning. It's good to be here this morning. And, um, you know, last week Peter talked about marriage, a sneaky way to get crucified. And this past month, he's been uh, talking a lot about uh, false self and true self. And I thought, you know, I really want to pick up on that theme and kind of keep going with it this morning here. And a lot of you know that I uh, do counseling outside of my part-time work here um, in a private practice downtown. And I just keep finding that the message I want to share with you today is a lot of what I keep talking about in, in my counseling practice and especially with couples. So when Peter talked about that last week, I really resonated with that. And I want to share some things this morning with you too. Um, I want to start by telling you a simple story from my own life. And honestly, it's a little bit embarrassing um, in fact, Bill probably doesn't even know the extent of it, and um, so he'll be hearing about it here for the first time too. But um, <laughs> before we get started, I thought, I thought it might be good to hear a little word from our sponsor. So let's take a little commercial break first. Who thinks more is better than less? Okay, why? More is better than less because if stuff is not less, if there's more less stuff, then you might you might want to have some more, and your parents just don't let you because there's only a little. Right. We want more. We want more. Like you really like it. You right. want more. I follow you. It's not complicated. More is better, and AT and T has the nation's largest 4G network. <laughs> so did you love those commercials? Those are some of my favorites. I love those. Um, so here's, here's my story. A few months ago, uh, a lot of you know, Bill and I live downtown, and I love to go walking either along the creek or along 16th Street Mall. And a few months ago, I went for a walk down 16th Street Mall like I do a lot of times. And, and I, I know I was probably feeling a little uh, tired and empty and just needed to you know, get outside. And every time I get down to this certain area on 16th Street Mall, I start to feel this like, pull, this like gravitational pull. And it's right around that area of the Denver pavilions, you know, where all those shops are. And I uh, just find myself like kind of being pulled in this direction. And I found myself um, walking into the gap. And I looked around the store and there it was. I saw it, the thing that was pulling me from out on the street. And it was this cool, orange, bright orange t-shirt. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I picked this up and I, I love bright colors in the summer and it's just so soft. I just love it. And it's lightweight. It was just like perfect. And I'm like, I need some summer t-shirts. I'm, I'm going to get this t-shirt. And it just like lifted my day. And I thought, oh, what could be better? Well, two t-shirts <laughs> could be better. <laughs> And I love this color too. This is one of my favorite colors too. And you know, that day I actually uh, thought, well, what could be better than two is three. So I walked out that day with three really pretty t-shirts and I went home in a better mood. So I got home and um, I love those little t-shirts and I was online at one point and somehow my fingers just went to the Gap website. And on the website, there were those t-shirts right there. And uh, I thought, you know, uh, you got to have like the basics, the basics. So you're white and black, you know, white and black go with everything and you can wear them under stuff and all that. And I thought, you know, I really need to have a white and a black one. So I bought 
a white one and a black one. And I thought, perfect, now I'm set. Except that in the store, they didn't have the yellow one. <laughs> so I had to buy the yellow one. So I got these three online and I thought, okay, that is just awesome, I'm set. But I kept thinking about those other colors I didn't have. And I went back to the Gap and I bought the green one and the pink one. And I was torn, I felt a little bad because the pink one was so close to the orange one in color, but you know, I didn't have the pink one. And so I thought, the pink one, the green one, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like just the color of rainbows here. And while I was there, I thought, you know, the white is so basic that you really need two because white, <laughs> white is, I know this is embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the white one, I now have white one. So that's just perfect. And then I thought, you know, sometimes um, my weight fluctuates and sometimes I like bigger, baggier shirts and sometimes I like little smaller ones, especially when I work out. And the orange one was my favorite color and so I bought a different size of the orange one that I could also wear. <laughs> Phil's looking at me going, oh my. And so, um, so I was there, I hadn't seen the striped ones. <laughs> so I had to have at least a striped one, okay? And then one day I was like wearing one of my, my favorite orange ones and I was eating a salad, and you know how salad dressing has that oily stuff and it dripped on my orange shirt. I'm like, great, just ruined my favorite one of the whole bunch, I better go get another one, okay? So this one still has the tag on it. That makes 12 t-shirts. I want more. 12 t-shirts that are basically the same shirt but different colors and different sizes, and so, I just thought, you know, more is better, right? So I know that sounds kind of crazy and uh, pretty insane and you know, maybe your thing isn't brightly colored t-shirts, but maybe your thing is something else. Maybe your thing is like uh, electronic gadgets. You get the iPhone and you get the iPad and you get the iMac and you get the MP3 then you get a, a 56 inch flat screen TV and then you get a 70 inch flat screen TV and now I think a 90 inch would really just, just set us you know, where we need to be. Or maybe it's sports. Maybe it's like, oh man, the Broncos are playing again. I'm so excited. I'm going to watch every Broncos game. But you know, I used to live in Kansas City and I love the Chiefs too, so I'll watch the Chiefs as well. And then, oh, but my wife, you know, she's from out east and the New England Patriots. Right now we gotta watch all those games and finally you're just watching them all the time until, until football ends and then there's basketball. And now we got the same thing with basketball. Or maybe it's chocolate or salty, crunchy food or whatever. It's just, I want more, I want more. You know, maybe for some of you it's cars and accessories for cars. Maybe it's alcohol. What's better than a drink to relax? Well, two drinks. Well, what's better than two drinks? Well, three. Well, what's better than three? Well, a few shots along with it, right? So what about pornography? Oh, what's a little look here and there? Well, what's better than that is a little look every week, every day. What's better than maybe a little joint? Smoke a little marijuana. My back hurts, need a little medical marijuana. Well, what's better than that would be like every week or every day or five times a day. 
How about this one? Cleaning. Oh, I got to clean my whole house. I'll do the baseboards. I'll do the shades. I'll do everything. What would be better than that? Well, I organized my closet. Well, what would be better than that? I organized it according to color. What would be better than that? I organized my CDs. What would be better than that? I organized it according to alphabetical order. Okay? <laughs> what about sleep? You know, some of you may get sleep. Oh, man, I just need a nap. Oh, that feels so good. I don't have to think about all my problems. Oh, you know, I think I'll like, go to bed early. I think I'll sleep in late. You know what? I think I'm just going to sleep the whole day and call in sick. I'm just depressed. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's that rush you get from a temper, anger that gets you your way. People start to obey you and shut up and do what you want. Maybe it's the people-pleasing. You get that good feeling of making someone else happy and uh, you get that little bit of rush and you avoid conflict over and over. Your people. We want more. We want more. So what lies beneath our wanting more, our addictions, our escapes? What, what drives 12 beautiful t-shirts? That's <laughs> just like crazy. <laughs> so... Um, Last Saturday night, it was, I was driving home from uh, Evergreen, and it was raining really hard, and I got home, and, and uh, Bill had cooked some dinner, which he often does, <laughs> which I love. Um, but we thought, you know, what better night? It's dark, it's raining, to watch a scary movie. And we were, like, looking for scary movies to watch, and we found this really terrible one, and we, I didn't even want to watch it. And I knew I had ordered this other movie that we hadn't gotten yet. Actually, it was sitting in our mailbox. We just didn't know it. But uh, So the next night we watched this one, and it's called What Lies Beneath. And it's an older movie with Harrison Ford and with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe some of you remember it. What Lies Beneath. And I'd like you to take a look at this little clip from that movie. Are you angry with me? What? Maybe you resent how busy I've been. No. You know what I've got at stake with this paper. You know how important this is to me. I can't help but feel that somehow you're, you're trying to sabotage me. You're trying to hurt me somehow. This isn't about you. Something is happening to me. And it's, it's not to get even or and it's not some warped bid for attention. Something is happening in our house, whether you like it or not. How's your marriage? Are you angry with me? We've had our moments, I guess, but he's a wonderful husband and father. I mean, sure, he can be obsessed with his work, and sometimes it's like um, that he doesn't see me. Or, you know, like I'm... that there's something wrong with me. I can't feel good. No. <laughs> so Claire, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, is in desperate need of Norman's attention, Harrison Ford. But he's addicted. He's addicted to his work. And what lies beneath his addiction? Well, he had gotten a lot of accolades for his achievements, and he feels respected and admired. He's received a lot of praise for what he does, and he's hungry for more. He wants more. He's formed his whole identity around his addiction. 
And now that his wife's need for attention is colliding with his need to work, he's feeling angry because her need is threatening his sense of who he thinks he is, a prominent scientist and professor. He's a self-made man. So what lies beneath those feelings of admiration for others as well as his anger that he's showing to his wife? That pressure to perform, that need for approval. And what lies beneath that pressure to perform? What lies beneath his anger? Probably anxiety, fear of failure, hurt for being misunderstood, guilt for not being present. Maybe it's a fear of intimacy, a fear of being found out, a fear of being known. So what then lies beneath those negative emotions? Well, negative beliefs. You know, it's our beliefs that really fuel our emotions. We tend to think it's uh, people, circumstances that make us afraid or angry or those kinds of things, but really it's the, the thinking that goes on about those people and situations. I have a, an example of that. When Bill and I were early on in our, uh, I think we were still dating at the time, we were eating at the yard house out in Golden, and we were sitting there eating our dinner and just enjoying the time together, and he got up to go to the bathroom and left, and I was there by myself at the table. And while I was alone, there was this table a little ways away that had about five people sitting there, and all at once, they all turned their head and looked at me and started laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> it was so obvious that it was not subtle. It was very, like, right there, and I'm like, you know, thinking, is something showing, or, you know, do I look, is something wrong, or I'm feeling insecure, I'm feeling self-conscious, and I'm pretending to not notice and eat my food. And Bill comes back, and, and uh, you know, and I tell him what happened, and he's like, oh, you know, it's probably nothing, or whatever, you know. And then a little while, that table had finished eating, and they all got up to leave, except for one person, one woman came over to our table, and she said, uh, you know, I had to come over and just tell you, I know that you had to notice that we all looked your direction and started laughing. I didn't want you to feel bad. So I thought I would come over and explain what happened. There was a guy at our table who was single and we were talking to him about relationships and what he wanted in a relationship. And he turned over and looked at you guys and said, I want what they have. So in a moment, the thinking shifted and all my emotions went along with it. What seemed like a negative, all of a sudden turned into positive, all based on what I thought about the situation. Had, had they walked away and I never knew, I would have put in my own insecurities and fears into that situation, which is often what we do. So back to Norman in the movie clip here. Who knows what Norman's childhood was like? The movie doesn't really say, but I could guess. Things driving that need to perform, maybe underneath was I'm a failure, I'm inferior, I'm inadequate. I'm unacceptable unless I perform or achieve something great. You know, we all have deep-seated beliefs buried deep down in our hearts that we often maybe got way back in childhood. You know, some things happen early on that it may be the simplest of things, like your parent uh, gave a compliment to your brother or sister and not to you. And it just felt like, oh, you know, something kind of stuck. It could be your parents got divorced and you felt like it was your fault. It could be um, you grew up with a critical parent and you grew up with something of a, a negative belief of I'm not enough, I don't measure up. 
But deep down inside of those um, negative beliefs sets, in sets a course of action of approval and performance so that I can prove that negative belief wrong. And we do everything we can to, I'm going to prove that's not true. And we set out to perform and perform and perform and gain approval. But man, that takes a lot of energy and gets exhausting and tiring. Well, back to Claire in the movie. Claire's desperate need to talk and have his help pierced right into his work addiction like an arrow. And it landed on one of those negative beliefs for him and he fires back with his own arrows, gets angry and refuses to be there. Then later in Claire's counseling session with her therapist, in the presence of someone who just accepts her where she is, who she is, she admits her own negative beliefs. There's something wrong with me. And she starts to believe she's crazy. And she starts to believe she's crazy because she starts seeing a ghost. She starts hearing voices that she can't explain and, and uh, noticing thing hap things happening in the house that she can't explain. But what she didn't realize at the time were there were some missing pieces to the story. It turns out that Norman had some secrets, some secrets that could change his whole life if he were found out, secrets that haunted him, like skeletons in the closet, ghosts from the past, secrets that would tear down his entire career and his marriage if he were found out. It would kill everything he had built. And what was Norman's secret? His secret was that he had had an affair with a college student, likely out of the need to have some relief from pressure he was feeling or possibly to get more approval. That secret then had another secret. And that secret was that at a, when it got to a point where she was going to possibly expose him and everything going on, he decided he couldn't risk that. It was a threat to his entire identity. So he killed her. He drugged her, put her in a bathtub, drowned her, and then threw her body in a nearby lake. But that girl's ghost came back to haunt them. Sometimes we have ghosts that come back to haunt us. We have secrets maybe that we've never told anyone. Things that stay hidden deep down that we tend to think, if you knew this about me, you would think totally different. And in that place where we're afraid to be found out is where we struggle with if this comes out, if I expose who I am, if people see me, it will kill me. Uh, it's the power of shame sitting deep, deep down in our hearts. Sometimes those past ghosts are things that we've never shared. Maybe it's uh, uh, thoughts of suicide. Maybe it's, oh my gosh, I realize I was sexually abused. I've never told one person on this planet. Maybe it's something of a struggle you've just never shared or something that happened long ago or something you did long ago that you just didn't want to share. That shame in the deepest place of our identity sits deep down in the core. That shame is that piece that's it's connected to an identity, those negative beliefs where we show that contempt of ourself, that hatred for ourself. When the, we hear those voices from the past, those past ghosts in us, we start to believe them and we take them on as our own and the whispers sound like this. I'm less than, I have no voice, I'm a burden, I'm a failure, it's all my fault, if only I would have, 
I'll never amount to anything important. I'm an addict. I'm a monster. I'm a piece of work. I'm not loved. I'm not valued. I'm invisible. I'm flawed. I'm damaged goods. I'm a bad person, a bad mom, a bad dad, a bad wife, a bad husband. Proverbs 23.7 says, as a man thinks, so he is. So it's our thinking that fuels our emotions, and it's our emotions that fuel our actions. And from early on in life, we take in those arrows of rejection, and they get planted in our hearts. I have this arrow, and I want you to think of this arrow like those messages, those messages of rejection from early on as a kid that come in. Maybe they even have like poison on the end of it, and they come in and they land somewhere deep in our heart and drop in that poison of those negative beliefs about who you are. Those arrows come in and it leaves those lies written on our hearts. But what lies beneath the lies? What lies beneath the lies and what is the most true about who we are? 2 Corinthians 4 tells us, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that surpasses greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves, not from ourselves. So what lies beneath is a who that lies beneath. And that who is the resurrected life of Christ inside of his children. And my true self, my deepest true self is linked to his true self. His truth is my truth because he is the truth. My loving self, that part of me deep down that is loving and compassionate and kind and good is wrapped up in his loving compassion and goodness because he is love. So I thought I would draw this out for you a little bit and show you a diagram that kind of describes the, these layers of going deeper and deeper of what this looks like. You know, those escapes, those addictions. And with each layer going down to the very core, and each one has kind of a wall between it, between each of the layers. And I've found that, you know, it takes like two things to break through those layers. One thing that helps us break through it is unconditional love, like Claire with her therapist to reveal what's underneath, what's underneath. The other thing that pierces through that is pain. Pierce right through those layers. So I'm gonna uh, share another little story, the kind of what this looked like for me, of what it looks like. If you can picture this arrow, like going through all those layers, okay? <laughs> all those layers. Uh, you know, I only speak here like two, maybe three times a year, and every single time, that Peter picks up the phone and calls me, which happened like a few weeks ago, and he says, hey, Francis, do you want to speak on August 10th and 11th? Oh, my heart jumps inside. Every time he asks me, I'm like, oh, pressure. And I immediately start feeling anxiety, and that pressure to perform, and I'm busy. And my first thought might be something like, I think I'll go shopping. I might need a new outfit to wear, <laughs> stand up there. <laughs> um, 
And then I may get pressure like from Bill, you know, you know, hey, we're, we're trying to get this retirement home out in Cape Cod, you know, we need to like watch our spending, and, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, I'm feeling that anxiety, that pressure, and underneath that approval and performance, I think things like this, oh man, I better start studying and reading up and getting on this because I'm going to need a lot of time and I don't have a lot of time. Uh, I hope I do a good job and everyone thinks I'm great and I hate speaking in front of people where I don't get to have dialogue and clear up misunderstandings or have Q&A where I can clear things up. Uh, I think I do a lot better in those settings where I can have that and I feel this pressure to get it right because I don't want you to misunderstand something uh, and I think oh man, standing up here and looking at all those faces when I can't tell what they're thinking. I'm like, yikes, crap. <laughs> I start feeling fear, anxiety, pressure, guilt, insecure. And then I think, you know, what are times in my life when I've thought and felt similar things? And if you float back as far as you can remember, what are times in your life where you've had similar feelings of thoughts of what you're going through? things that might be your arrows coming in. You'll find those ghosts from the past. And some of mine, you know, I remember my dad, you know, I have a lot of hangups about church and stuff. You know, my dad, you know, who said things like, women should not preach, women should not uh, be in leadership of the church, women should not be on elder boards, you know, that kind of thing. I had my brothers saying, oh, you can't do that, you're just a girl. And, um, you know, some of these little ghosts, these little voices saying things to me. Um, deep down underneath, um, you know, some, so, oh, some other instances in the past that come to mind have to do with maybe sports or I used to play a flute and I always thought, you know, I'm just kind of average, I'm not really that good and, you know, sometimes I would, you know, play in a game and I'd just run through every play in my head thinking about everything I did wrong and, you know, so uh, those little whispers, those lies underneath, like, I'm not worthy, I'm not human, I'm vulnerable, I'm not loved, I'm inferior. And the arrow just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. So uh, I thought, great, now I'm gonna have to live out the very things I wanna talk about. <laughs> so, so that arrow keeps pushing in all the way to the center. And a lot of times we'll get that arrow stuck in one of those layers up there and we don't let it go in any further. It's just not going there. Uh, sometimes that arrow is like, oh, I'm just gonna like put up a shield and block it from even coming in. Or that arrow's coming in, I'm just gonna like dodge it, you know? And I'm just not even gonna let it go in. So what lies beneath those lies is a who. And that who is the creator of the universe that's creating you and me. What lies beneath is Jesus who reveals what God looks like, what his heart is like. So when the arrow comes into the center, because that center is a who and not a what, it's a person. And a person is one that in order to connect with, you have a dialogue with, you have a conversation with. So I thought I would try to um, print out, try to type up my dialogue with what that conversation between me and God looked like about this, okay? So Francis. God, I hate this. I hate speaking at church. It's so much pressure. What if I say things that are confusing? What if I don't use enough scripture? 
why should I do this? You know, Peter and Andrew, you know, they can do this just fine. I feel insecure, afraid, pressure. I really don't need this right now. Plus, I haven't really felt very spiritual. That's the t-shirts. I really don't need this right now. <laughs> you know, I have hang-ups about church. My dad and brothers and all that. So God says, I know, I know you have hang-ups. I've missed you though, you know. Francis, you have? Why, so you can get me to do more things? God, no, yeah, I've just, no, I've just missed you. The only thing I've been trying to do is to get you to uh, do something in my presence is just sit still, just be with me. I miss talking to you, I wanna hear your heart. I want to know what you're feeling. I want to know what you're thinking. Francis, well, you already know, so what's the point? God, the point <laughs> is our relationship, being able to just spend time together, just being. You're rather independent, you know. You know, maybe that's how I had to get your attention, have Peter ask you to speak so you would just get a little more quiet. I knew you'd be talking about me, and I just wanted you to know what was on my heart before you do. You actually do love talking about this topic. I've seen it. When you do counseling with people, when you're leading a group, you light up. It's the story I wrote on your heart and in your life. You know this message because I put it there. You're exactly the one I want to send this message through, so have fun with it. Francis, okay, so one more thing. I feel kind of guilty about those t-shirts and I guess you probably want me to return them or give them away. God. Now, I know you better than that. You're operating on guilt and duty and obligation. You've been doing that for a long time, so I'm not going to let you do that. Actually, I want you to have them. Keep those shirts. Really, I want you to enjoy them. But let them remind you that I want time with you. You know, every time you're feeling low and empty, I'd love to be there when you're feeling that way. Your t-shirt ad addiction can remind you that I'm the one that's really calling you. You know that tug you've been feeling? That was me, by the way. Really? Wow, now that's a twist. Are you serious? I can keep the shirts? <laughs> Thanks. God, yes, keep the shirts. Because you're going to need them the next time I ask you to give this talk again somewhere else. So I walk away from the conversation a different person. I feel secure, I matter, I'm unconditionally loved, I'm not condemned for my addiction. I'm not crazy. I have the mind of Christ because I've been sitting in his presence listening to how he thinks, how he feels. I'm loved, I have a voice. It's okay to be human, it's okay to feel. I can listen to my gut and be found in tune with him. I'm important. There's something special God wants to do through me that he can't do with anyone else. Wow. So those are the things that are not only the most true about me, but the most true about you. If you let the arrow press in deep enough to find it. No matter how buried that false self uh, may be covering up that true identity, uh, no matter how small that center may seem, sometimes you may feel like, well, it's just like a barely little dot, I can barely see it or feel it in there. 
Even if it's a dot, it's the most true thing about you. Even if it's buried up, you don't see it at all. It's just all you see is all those layers and all that junk, and you think, well, that's all I've got. Well, it's buried under there, kind of like dirt, where you, if you dig and dig and dig and you, you go low enough and you find pure gold. You find a streak of gold, and it's not something you can perform your way into. It's not something you can make it be there. not something you have to create to be there. It's more about you discovering what's already there, what's true about you at the very deepest place. So what's even better than that, of how I walked away with my true self, was I had a picture of God's true self. God is so good at the very core of his being, that God is so accepting, that God is so secure in who he is, he doesn't have to condemn me or reprimand me for my t-shirts. <laughs> He's the most important thing and, and is speaking to me from the inside all the time and my relationship with him is really what matters most. He's so loving and patient and kind and accepts me even in the middle of my struggles. I walk away thinking, I like this guy. I like him. So when the arrows come flying at you, and the arrows might look in a lot of different ways. The arrows might be just stress coming in your life. The arrows might be uh, messages of rejection, like your spouse says to you, you're a terrible communicator. You're never home. You don't help out enough around the house. You drink too much. You don't pay any attention to me. It's like those arrows coming in. When your coworker gets a promotion and you don't, it might feel like an arrow coming in. Your teenager yells at you, you're not fair, you don't care about me, arrows coming in. When your friend doesn't return your calls and you're not quite sure why, maybe you're being asked to do something that pushes you out of your comfort zone. So I'm encouraging you not to put up the shield and not to dodge the bullet, but just not be afraid to let it go in. And again, the problem isn't it's, that it's there and going in. The problem is it's just you're not letting it go deep enough. Like, let it come all the way in. So when that arrow comes in, ask yourself, well, what were my actions? Did I fight or flight? Did I react back? What was I feeling? Where do I carry those feelings in my body? You know, we carry a lot of emotion in our body. Neck, back, head, migraines, stomach aches. Maybe that's just the point of entry for the arrow. You know, you feel it, it coming in your body. What are the negative beliefs that you might be believing deep down underneath it? And what are the times in the past where you've found yourself thinking and feeling similar things? What are those ghosts that have been whispering to you those lies? So let the arrow come in, pierce through your whole false self. All those other colors except for the, the yellow, the gold, is part of our false self when it's energized by our own self-effort. Let the arrow come in and crucify your false self. Expose it, bring it to light. Yeah, it'll probably hurt, but it'll be okay. Keep going because there's life on the other side of that hurt, a life more abundant and more deep than you can know. And the arrow, as it keeps going, will eventually hit that center and the only one who can really take the bullet and live. So keep letting that arrow sink in to the very deepest parts. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And what's the I that was crucified? 
all those layers of self-effort, performance. And what's the I that now lives? The I that's connected to the source of life and love, and that's the life of Christ. So I've found that being rooted and grounded in his love, when I keep going to that deep place and get more and more convinced of what his love is like, being in his presence, I found that really then I'm free to respond rather than react. Whenever I go into fight or flight mode, it's kind of a sign that my arrow is landing on one of those negative beliefs. I, I have um, gained the, the uh, ability to be able to just speak the truth in love rather than be a doormat maybe over here or a bully over here. Um, I can draw on a higher wisdom of how and what to say in different situations with different people. What's the best way to send an arrow that's not, not, a, not a destructive arrow, but one that kind of pierces through your layers of just by speaking the truth in love? I can learn to just be authentic and honest about all those other layers because they're not what identifies me. It's not my true self. It's just thoughts and feelings and beliefs. And every time I have those arrows that come in and that leave a hole, that hole becomes a place where his spirit can come and live through me his spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. So back to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. you know, John 3.30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. That center, he wants to increase. And growth is not building more layers. Growth is exposing those layers and letting them die off and his, that center keeps growing and growing and he's increasing and I'm decreasing. So, God is waiting underneath it all to be discovered. You know, scripture says, seek and you will find. Go gold digging. Less is really more, less of me and more of him. Less of my self-absorption, self-centeredness, and more of his giving, other centeredness living through me, in me. And while those arrows do hurt coming in, sometimes even excruciatingly, sometimes it's painful, we don't ultimately have to fear them because they will bring new life as our false self dies and our true self lives. So as we come to the table, what lies beneath is the who that lies belief, and it's Jesus and his love for us that he demonstrated by laying down his life at the cross. And that night when he took the bread, he broke it saying, take heat, this is my body, which I laid down for you, take and eat. And he took the cup and he poured it, saying, this is my blood shed for you, given to you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink of it.
at the cross is where Jesus took those arrows, those arrows that came cutting right through you, right into that deepest place. And like you're both hanging on the cross, it's just that he's the only one who can take the bullet and live. So at the cross, he took the arrows that you got and he took the arrows that you gave to other people. So when you come to the table today, uh, come and bring your arrows. And the brown cups are wine and the lighter cups are juice. And we invite you to partake of the who that lies beneath it all. So, okay. I told you my story about the 12 t-shirts and uh, I have to confess one more little piece to it. Because um, recently, a few weeks ago, I was back there on 16th Street, 16th Street Mall, felt that pull, and it felt a little bit different this time, but it was there, and I found myself going right up to the gap. And guess what? Final sale. <laughs> I thought, two more. Two more would be perfect. And I thought, I just can't do that. I can't get two more. So I, I didn't. I bought four more. <laughs> and I gave them to Bill's daughters who were in town visiting because I thought they would love these shirts as much as I do, <laughs> okay? So there was like something new in there and it just started rising up and it was, it was with a new heart. So, um, that was fulfilling thing I really felt from before. So. I'm just as you go, I want you to pay attention to the arrows that are coming in your life, the arrows of stress, the arrows of rejection, failure, uh, whatever it might be, and the pressure you feel underneath to keep performing and gaining approval. And then just keep asking yourself, well, what's underneath that? What, what am I feeling? What am I feeling in my body? And underneath that, what am I believing deep down about myself, about God? And then just keep going. Let the arrow just keep going. You know, you go, well, what are those ghosts from the past that feel really similar to what I'm feeling right now? And let it go all the way to the center where you feel that unconditional love. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on how much approval you have. It's unconditional without condemnation. Less is more. Less of me. More of Christ in me. And he keeps changing us to want more and more what he wants. So the more might just be, I want more of him. I want more, I want more. I want more of that unconditional love. Yes, it may be painful to get there, but once you're there, ah, oh, that feels good. It's not that complicated. So go today and um, enjoy your day. Love you guys. Thank you for letting me share today. <laughs>